0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to My Millennial Money Professional. My name's Dev Raga, and I'm your host. And in this episode, we'll go through the concept of the Pareto Principle. And then in the second half, we'll explore the concept of Pareto efficiency. Now, this might all sound way too geeky for you, but you may be surprised how relevant this is in your current life. Let's get started. If you want me to discuss a specific topic, or if you have a specific question, don't hesitate to contact me via Twitter or via Facebook. And for those of you that are new to the channel, remember the three main aims, education, empowerment, and entertainment. Before we got on to the main topic, I had some feedback from a keen listener in response to one of my episodes uh, recently, where I discussed in a Q&A sessions about ATO payment plans. They explained they regularly use ATO payment plans when they have to do their taxes and also when they do their BAS statements. This spreads out their tax obligations over the year, and it also means they keep their money in the mortgage offset account, which is a surefire way of earning some guaranteed returns, especially in this high interest rate environment. At the time of recording this episode, the RBA cash rate is around 3.1%. So perhaps a good tip if you're inclined to spread your tax obligations across the year. Note, however, this is not possible for pay-as-you-go employees. This is really only possible if you're self-employed. Thanks for the pro tip from the keen listener who shall remain anonymous. Now to the main topic, what is the Pareto principle? The principle states, and it's based on anecdotal evidence, that 80% of outcomes occur as a result of 20% of causes. It's often called the 80-20 rule. The other way of stating this is 80% of outputs occur as a result of 20% of inputs. This means there are some inputs into a business or situation that have greater outputs, and if you're a business, It would be in your best interest to find out what those inputs are. When you think about this, the principle can be utilised literally in any aspect of our lives, not just in business or economics. Let's use an example to highlight the principle in the most basic form. Amy is the CEO of company ABC. The company manufactures Product A, which is mainly used in the field of cosmetics. Recently, they did some market analysis about their advertising strategies. They noticed that the majority of their sales occurred online. Of that, the majority of referrals happened through Google. Therefore, they noted, they should really only focus more and more on the SEO optimization of Google to get the best outcome for their business and their products. Therefore, their advertising budget has been skewed more towards online marketing and SEO Google strategies rather than any physical ad banners such as bus stations or train stations. Now, you can use the Proto Principle in quite a lot of scenarios. I've noted this principle also applies in healthcare. If you're a manager, you may note there are complaints which come mainly about certain healthcare workers, where the majority of complaints come from a small population of healthcare workers in your workplace. This is also true in settings where majority of the hospital admissions are from small sections of the community. Take the prisoner population. The prison population often consists of repeat offenders, so the majority of prisoners are actually coming from a small section of the community. Often what happens with this principle is when companies utilise it in an economical sense, They utilise it to analyse their balance sheets. Companies may realise 80% of their profits come from 20% of their products, so they may choose to really hone in on those products. What's interesting in real life, for average people like perhaps you and I, we would naturally try and focus our time equally amongst the various things in our life and try and apply equity to our time. But it turns out it might not be a good strategy after all. Now, there's a fair bit of misinterpretation when it comes to proto-principles. One of the core misinterpretation of this principle is if 80% of outputs come from the most important 20% of inputs, that means the rest of the 80% of inputs is not important. That's actually an incorrect misrepresentation of the principle. Essentially, the decision to prioritise for the 20% of inputs is okay. And it could be that the rest of the 80% of inputs is also important because those 80% of inputs may be integrally linked to the 20% of outputs that we see. What's the background of this Pareto principle? It was first introduced by the Italian economist Wilfredo Pareto in 1906. He studied the land ownership in Italy. He noted that 80% of the land was actually owned by roughly 20% of the population. He then noted his own garden, where 20% of the pea pods were responsible for 80% of the peas that grew. Then in the 1940s, Dr. Joseph Uran used the same principle in the field of manufacturing. He noted that 80% of deficits or defects in products was caused by 20% of the problems during the production cycle. Therefore, a business can substantially reduce their product deficits and defects if they're focused on the 20% of the production problems. Let's use a financial example to explain the principle again. Amy is a financial advisor. She has an excellent reputation. She has a model of advice, which has an initial flat fee to set up a financial plan and then yearly advisory fees based on the overall assets under management. Her fees are reliant on her clients being satisfied by the advice given and how their assets are performed. She's noticed that the majority of her earnings comes from approximately 20% of her clients. That is, not every client has the same amount of assets, therefore her earnings are dependent on the assets under management. This means a few issues for Amy. If 80% of her earnings are coming from the top 20% of her clients, what should she do with her time? Should she focus 80% of her time to those top 20% of clients? Logic would say she should. Or should she help the other 80% of clients that are in the bottom 80% who only produce 20% of her earnings? That's controversial. Most financial advisors tend not to follow the Proto Principle because they feel that if a client calls them, they're obligated to help that client no matter what that status of that client is. But maybe they should focus on the Proto Principle instead and help the high-value clients. Of course, this is controversial because it promotes the whole rich get richer mentality. Now, the other problem is that Amy did this is that she misses out on the next client who could enter the top 20 client list. So it's an opportunity cost for her. So perhaps a hybrid approach is that she replicates her success of the top 20% of clients with her bottom 80% of clients, knowing that it will eventually improve her bottom line as well. That is, if clients do well, she does well. What are some of the applications of this principle in various industries? Number one, business projects. You may notice that 80% of the work is actually done by 20% of the individuals, and those individuals are highly productive. Number two is human resources and behaviours. 80% of the problems in an organisation may actually be stemmed and caused by 20% of the employees. Now, I've seen this when handling complaints about doctors especially. Most of the complaints come from our as a result of a few doctors on hand. There are some doctors who never get complaints and there are others who get frequent complaints. Number three is marketing and sales. 80% of sales occur in 20% of the products or services. A lot of business people notice this. Number four is wealth management. 20% of the people who often own the majority of the country's assets. This actually proves when it comes to income inequality and wealth inequality, even in Australia. What's interesting is that I've become wealthier, and as I've become wealthier, it's a self-perpetuating cycle where my wealth now is creating more wealth. That on any given day, my net worth moves significantly based to the market volatility. Of course, add to that the compounding effects of dividends, you get the picture. Number five is sports and athletics. Most people think athletes make a lot of money, but most of the money is actually made by the top sports people, while the majority of sporting personalities actually don't make much money. In fact, they lose it all. And just recently, I've done an episode about this called The Financial Lessons from Athletes. And number six is occupational hazards. You may notice the place that you work in, 20% of the risks and hazards in your profession lead to 80% of the harms actually which occur. So what are the advantages of the Pareto principle? Number one is it increases productivity. You can focus your efforts in areas which produce the maximal outcome, therefore providing the more bang for your buck. Number two is improving efficiency and time allocation resources. If you're a student or know of a student or have been a student, you know almost certainly use the Prada principle. Think about it, how you utilize time and what to study for in an hour of your day. You will work out what to study, when to study and how much effort to put in to get the maximum output. Especially when it comes to exam study, you'd want to focus on core areas of your study which are likely to occur in the exam, which is where it actually matters. Now, doctors use this philosophy all the time. We may not be aware of it. We use the Pareto principle where we try and focus on core topics for our medical student exams, residency exams, registrar exams, or consultancy exams or fellowship exams. Number three is improves profitability. If you increase productivity and reduce problems and deficits and defects or errors or complaints in whichever industry you're in, you're likely to improve your profits. What are some of the disadvantages of the Pareto principle? Number one is it's backward looking. It doesn't allow you to be a visionary. It often exploits the concept of rinse and repeat because it worked last time, so it's likely to work this time. But this may not always be true. Number two is it has unintended consequences. Now, suppose you own a business and note 20% of inputs as resulted in 80% of outputs. So you decide to cut costs of the other 80% of inputs. Well, it may have unintended consequences and may in fact affect the ability of the 20% inputs to actually make the 80% of outputs possible. The problem here is what you don't see and what you can't analyse. Number three is it assumes that it's always true. For example, 20% of workers may only create 60% of the output and the rest are just inefficient. Number four is it can really piss people off. Back to the financial advisor, Amy, who may focus on the top 20% clients and not really focus on the bottom 80% of the clients, it might upset some of the bottom 80%. Therefore, she might actually lose clients as a result. Number five is it's actually not scientifically proven, which I find quite surprising given there's so much anecdotal evidence around. Surely someone can objectively quantify and prove this principle. Maybe the study design would have many flaws in it itself. Now that's Pareto principle. The next concept we need to understand which leads onto this is the Pareto efficiency. Now that's next level geeky stuff, but worth knowing about. But we'll do that
0: just after a very quick break. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help.
1: Welcome back. On the back of Pareto Principle, there's another concept called the Pareto efficiency. This is more of an economic theory and there are alternatives, so I'll go into these in a little bit more detail. When you think about what the best economic model is, if all aspects of it is functional, that is, all aspects of an economy is functioning well and optimally, it'll have the maximum gain in economic output. That is the best economic model. This means that all resource allocations are spot on to achieve the ultimate productivity in a well-functioning economy. The problem is, in reality, due to costs and fees and other inherent inefficiencies and human factors, achieving optimal economic output and high productivity is just a theory. There's always going to be drag on the economy. And the aim here is to minimise that drag. This is where Pareto efficiency comes in. This is when an economy or business or company, doesn't matter, where the resources can't be allocated or reallocated such that one individual is better off without making another individual worse off. When you think about it, you can kind of apply this efficiency principle in your own life. We have only a finite amount of time per day. In that 24 hours, we need to allocate time resources to various activities. And there is likely a point where we would optimally be efficient and if we changed it, it would negatively impact on another individual. To use the most basic example of this, Amy and her partner Sarah are both healthcare workers and they work shift work. They have two young children aged 10 and 7. This means they're constantly having to reorganise their family life in order to meet the work demands. There are some extra shifts coming up and Amy is keen to pick them up. But upon discussion, she's realised that if she does, this is likely to impact on the time spent with her family she can't see a situation where doing extra shifts will not have a negative impact on her partner or child. Now, within this concept, there is a sub-concept called the Pareto Improvement. So what's that? This is when you can resource allocate such that one person is better off and no one else is worse off. This is the ultimate goal. So in the previous example, if Amy can find a way she can do the additional shifts and work and not have much of an impact on her family, this means there is a situation where Pareto improvement is possible. This leads to the next concept called the production possibility frontier, PPF. Now, this is useful if you Google this and look at the graph. Uh, I won't dwell on it too much, but if you look at the economic output of a particular service or product and plot it, if it doesn't fit on this particular curve, the production possibility frontier, then it's not Pareto efficient, as simple as that. Now, is there alternatives to Pareto efficiency? There is. The biggest disadvantage of the proto-efficiency is that there isn't really a realistic situation where you can resource allocate, which doesn't really impact on one individual negatively. So the proto-efficiency, although is a good concept in theory, it's not very practical. There are alternatives. There are three alternatives. Number one is the canon criterion. This is when resource allocation can be changed, but if everyone agrees to it. And this means in principle, no one is disadvantaged as they all agreed. Number two is the Kaldor-Hicks efficiency. This is when a change is efficient if the gain can be quantified. And during this process, it means more gains are produced compared to losses as a result of the negative impact. Now think about this. We do this all the time in our lives. Time, money, investments. Number three is the COAS theorem. This is when individuals can bargain their gains and losses and work out a bespoke solution. This often happens in company contract negotiations all the time between businesses, individuals, suppliers and manufacturers. Now, to highlight the Prada principle, let's use a potential real-life scenario. Amy is a CEO of Hospital A. The current facilities runs an emergency department and elective surgical services. Each department requires funding of labour, new equipment and more EFT for staff, so there is significant competition for any extra funding. Now, the hospital has other departments like obstetrics, etc., The hospital has been promised by the government $5 million in funding for its programs and services. Each department director has proposed a business case for various funding activities which would make their departments more efficient and more productive in terms of patient care. For the purposes of this example, let's assume that all the other departments do not need funding and, in fact, may be overfunded. And at this stage, I can your obstetrics, gynaecology, medical, allied health, pharmacy, hith, administrative staff, getting upset. So what can we do? There are two departments, the emergency departments and surgical services. Here are the options with the $5 million. Number one is you can allocate $5 million to surgical services and allocate $0 to the ED. Number two is you can allocate $5 million to the ED and $0 to the surgical department. Number three is you can split it, allocate $2.5 each. Number four is you can allocate $1.25 million to each department and then maybe keep some spare cash for the other departments. Number five is you can actually allocate $3 million to the surgical department and $2.5 million to the emergency department. Now, notice in this case, we're actually over budget. It's more than what's available in the funding. I'll come to that in a moment. Now, here's the analysis. This is extra money. This is $5 million. That's not out of the budget. It's been given to the hospital. And it's been unallocated initially. This means the funds can be allocated in whichever way and it would still be Pareto efficient, except for option five, which I'll come to you a bit later. And remember, allocating resources does not impact negatively to any department because this is new money. Yes, it would be fair and equitable to give it to everyone, but the Pareto efficiency is not about being fair or equitable. It's about efficiency. And that's why often Pareto efficiency is often confused with fairness. Now, clearly, in this case, the fair option would be to distribute the $5 million across the board. But we're only focusing on the ED and surgical services. Now, option five, where $3 million is allocated to surgical services and $2.5 million is allocated to emergency departments. Is that proto-efficient? Well, actually, it's not. It's actually proto-inefficient. Why? Because there's only $5 million given by the government, and this totals $5.5 million dollars, this means the extra half a million must be sought from the existing budget of the other departments. Now, at this stage, all the other departments, including obstetrics, have left the podcast. This means the CEO has to find the extra half a mil from the other departments. And this means the other departments, which loses funding, not only are they very upset about that, they are negatively impacted. Therefore, option five is not proto efficient. That's about it for proto efficiency and product improvement and Pareto Principle. In summary, what's Pareto Principle? 80% of outcomes often comes from 20% of causes. This is an anecdotal observation, and this is mostly true economically and non-economically as well. Number two is Pareto Improvement. This is where resource allocation in an economy results in no negative impact on anyone, but has a positive impact on at least one person. Now, you can think about economists and people that work in the government use this phenomenon and principle all the time when they look at programs on how it can benefit the majority of people. Number three is Pareto efficiency. This is when resources are optimally allocated such that no one can be made better off without making someone else worse off. And most importantly, the Pareto efficiency does not equate to fairness or equity. That's a different concept. So next time you observe things in your life, see if the Pareto principle applies to you. See if the Pareto improvement and the efficiency applies to that situation. I tend to think about it a lot. That's about it for this episode. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you may be using. I'll leave a five-star rating on all of the platforms. That's even better. And please leave a positive review because it really helps people find this episodes. The more ratings and reviews you leave, the more people can access to the podcast, so please keep them coming. My name's Dev Raga from My Millionaire Money Professional. Until next time, please make sure you stay safe.
0: We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast.